0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections into these special topics. Every Thursday evening is Special Topic Thursday, an evening that is devoted entirely to your questions. You send me questions of every kind, and I seek to respond to them. If I don't think I can do a good job in responding to your question, I will get a guest to join me. Up to this point, we, for the most part, have had questions That have dealt with more of the classic apologetic type of uh, questions, so we have been able to handle those. Now, as I have been getting some of those classic apologetic questions, I have been also receiving some questions concerning the spiritual life, and those kinds of questions I especially enjoy, because as you know, while I am here to respond to your question about the Catholic faith, or maybe broader question about the Christian faith and divine revelation, I always jump at the opportunity to talk about the spiritual life, and if we are five, six months in, we might have three or four programs devoted to the spiritual life in the archive on Thursday, so I thought it would be good to respond to uh, one of your spiritual questions, and the question is this, what are the things we need to attend to for prayer to bear fruit? What I want to do this evening is not only respond to that question, but do so out of the context of Saint Teresa of Avila. I have had more than one person pull me aside and tell me, Joe, I would love for you to talk more about the saints. Now, I devoted a good two years to the great Christian thinkers, which allowed us to talk extensively about the saints, but I get it. There are always so many more saints to talk about, so what I thought I would do this evening is Again, respond to your question, what are the things we need to be attentive to for prayer to bear more fruit and do so out of the context of the life of Saint Teresa of Avila, because it is Saint Teresa of Avila that really gives us insight into the things we need to be attentive to. That being said, let us consider who Saint Teresa of Avila is so that we might better appreciate why this woman is so important to the spiritual life. She was born in Ávila, Spain, the year 1515. In her autobiography, she mentions some details to her childhood that she was born into a large family and that her parents were devout and feared God. You know, I always love when you read these journals and these journals talk about their parents who were devoted to God as a husband and father of four, it's an inspiration for me. If you are a parent out there, (laughs) and if you are hearing this, and you are hearing this, you are probably thinking the same thing. It is just so refreshing to read a life of a saint, and to hear them talk about, or to hear them write about, the great devotion that their parents had. And certainly, Saint Teresa of Avila is one of those who wrote so affectionately about her parents. Now, She also had three sisters and nine brothers, so she was a family of 15, a family of 15, which gives me hope because I'm a family of 13, right? So while she was still a child and not yet nine years old, she had the opportunity to read the lives of a number of different martyrs, which inspired in her such a longing for martyrdom that she actually ran away, at least for a brief time. She ran away because she wanted to die a martyr's death. She actually talked about this in her autobiography. In her autobiography she writes, I desire to see God. This is what little Teresa told her parents. So certainly there you have a seed of desire for God planted at a very young age. A few years later, St. Teresa of Avila was to speak of her childhood reading And stated that she had discovered in it the way of truth, which is summed up in two principles. On one hand was the fact that all things of this world will pass away, and on the other hand that God alone is, in her own words, forever, ever, and ever. Now, I mention this because this is a topic that reoccurs in her best-known poem, Let Nothing Disturb You, that poem that reads, let nothing disturb you, let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. So, those two principles of all of these things in the world will pass away, and God alone is forever, ever, and ever, is found in one of her favorite poems. Now, that being said, all was not bliss huh, for young Teresa. At times she would let herself go by reading inappropriate books with unsavory images and words. But if in her adolescence the reading of profane books had led to the distractions of a worldly life, her experience as a pupil of the Augustinian nuns in Avila, Spain, and her reading of spiritual books Introduced her to recollection and prayer. So, at a very young age, my friends, you have this woman who is beginning to devote herself to a life in God. In time, she would be drawn to the Carmelite way of life. And for those of you who are not familiar with that phrase, Carmelite way of life, the Carmelites are a religious order that essentially seeks to bear witness to the truth of the gospel in a more radical way. As she was drawn to the Carmelite way of life, she was drawn to a more radical way of life. When she was 20 years old, she entered the Carmelite monastery of the Incarnation in Avila. In her religious life, she took the name Teresa of Jesus. You have heard me talk extensively before about when someone enters a religious community, they take on a name, and it is relevant because they then aspire to live out the charism that might be in that name. So for example, I have a Carmelite sister. Saint Teresa of Avila is very close to my heart, right, because I have a sister who is a religious sister, and she is a Carmelite nun, and her name is Sister Victoria Maria of the Infant King Jesus. So she has a particular devotion to the Infant King, right, and so there is a certain infancy in her spirituality. There's a certain charism of infancy in her spirituality. So anytime there is a title and a name, what you will find is a charism or a tendency towards a particular spirituality. In this case, Teresa of Jesus. And so this is kind of a a big title because it's not so particular in as much as it is more broad to the holy name of Jesus. And she would affectionately Devote herself to, of course, the Holy Name of Jesus. Now, in her most popular book, The Way of Perfection, Teresa of Jesus describes an illness she had where she would eventually find herself in a coma for four days, as she describes it, looking as if she were dead. And in a fight against her illness, young Teresa saw the combat against weaknesses and the resistance to God's call. She writes, I wished to live, but I saw clearly that I was not living, but rather wrestling with the shadow of death. There was no one to give me life, and I was not able to take it. He who could have given it to me had good reasons for not coming to my aid, seeing that he had brought me back to himself so many times, and I as often had left him. Here we read from the way of perfection this deep encounter she had with Christ, this, maybe better said, deep awakening she had. But it wasn't until Lent of 1554, when she was 39 years old, that Teresa of Jesus reached, well, what we could call the climax of her struggle against her own weaknesses. The fortuitous discovery of the statue of, in her own words, a Christ most grievously wounded left a deep mark on her life. The saint who in that period felt deeply in tune with the Saint Augustine of the Confessions thus describes the decisive day of her mystical experience in this way, and a feeling of the presence of God would come over me unexpectedly so that I could in no wise doubt either that he was within me or that I was wholly absorbed in him wholly absorbed in him. Parallel to her inner development, Teresa of Jesus began in practice to realize her ideal of the reform of the Carmelite order. So, in 1562, she founded the first reformed Carmel in Avila with the support of the city's bishop. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the details here My my notes. It'd be enough to say that in 1580, she obtained from Rome the authorization for her reformed Carmelites as a separate autonomous province. This was the starting point for the discalced Carmelite order, which means the Carmelite community, which devotes itself in a very particular and unique way to prayer and work. Uh, Again, my sister is a discalced Carmelite nun, so she spends her days in prayer and work she goes in prayer and out of prayer, in work and out of work, in prayer and out of prayer, in work and out of work. There is this rhythm and tenor to her day. Now, they do get wreck times where they get to play and, and do very human things, right? Um, but everything that they do is caught up in the drama of prayer and their courtship with God. And this is what Saint Teresa of Avila was all about. We call her Teresa of Jesus, as that was her name here on Earth, right? But Her saint name is St. Teresa of Avila. So Teresa of Jesus died on the night of October 15th, 1582, while returning to Avila after having set up another convent outside of Avila. And I love her last words, her last humble words. After all, I die as a child of the church. And oh, my Lord and my spouse, the hour that I have longed for has come. It is time to meet one another. I love that. It is time to meet one another. There is great confidence in those words, is there not? It is time to meet one another. I mean, think about it. If you were to die today, would you have those words on your lips? It is time to meet one another. Would you be ready for that final conversation with Jesus Christ? Or would you crouch protectively around yourself? resisting in any and every possible way to not have that final conversation. Oh, my dear friends, <laughs> Teresa of Jesus, who again we know as Saint Teresa of Avila, was ready for that final conversation. She was canonized in 1622 by Gregory Fifteenth, and proclaimed doctor of the church in 1970 along with Saint Catherine of Siena. Now, all of that being said, as it relates to her witness to prayer and how she helps us respond to that question. You know, what are the things we need to be attentive to? Now, to get into this, I want to go back into that encounter she had in 1939. As already mentioned, Teresa of Jesus had entered the Carmelite way as a 20-year-old. She was a fervent young lady, earnestly attempting to live a life of disciplined prayer as a Carmelite, she would progress in the spiritual life, but every time she got to mental prayer, encountering Christ with her mind, she would stop and begin to backslide, only to progress again, only to backslide again, only to progress again, only to backslide again. So what was going on? This is a very important question to anyone who studies St. Teresa of Avila and the Carmelite way, because really, what was going on is what gives birth to her many insights. As she would describe it, she would intuit that God was desiring to give to her something different, something deeper, but she just couldn't grab a hold of it. And things would stall because she would either convince herself that she was imagining things, or whatever she was able to internalize in her heart, it only left her more confused. Now, The problem was also during this time, she was getting bad spiritual direction, one bad spiritual director after another bad spiritual director, right? That being said, it was the aforementioned encounter with Christ that changed everything, that encounter she had with Christ in 1939. It was on a Friday evening when she was walking up the steps to pray the Liturgy of the Hours that she would pass this statue that would ultimately make a lasting impression on her. On this one particular occasion, she was reminded of a question that was once asked by her father. We should note here, my friends, that Teresa of Jesus was giving guidance to many around her on the spiritual life, including her father. (laughs) I mean, how beautiful is that to receive spiritual direction from your own child? Humbling, I'm sure it was for him. So she was passing by this statue, and she was reminded by this question her father asked her. Are you experiencing this intensity of prayer that I am experiencing right now? And Teresa, always being honest, responded honestly. I have so many commitments that I have not been able to pray as I ought. So to answer your question, no. And interestingly, her father quickly realized that his daughter had been talking about prayer, but she was not living prayer. So he quickly expresses his sorrow, and he told her that it would be best for him to stop visiting her, that she might be more devoted to her life of prayer. Now, this had a huge impact upon her life, because she had that little extra time to pray. No, not necessarily. It was more about the witness of her father. Teresa knew how much his father loved her. So for him to sacrifice those encounters for the sake of her prayer life, this was huge for her. So it was this question, an encounter that was in Teresa's heart when she passed by this statue. The type of statue that was there on the upper steps was very important. It was a statue titled Ecce Homo ecce homo. We know what that means. Behold the man. These are the words of Pilate, right? So you can imagine what kind of statue this was. It was a statue that was bloodied, crowned with thorns. So she looked at the statue and said that as she looked at the statue, crowned with thorns and bloodied, it was as if Jesus turned and looked at her with love. And as she put it, at that point, I was pierced to the heart by this gaze of love, O Jesus, who was pierced for my sake. And as she would later talk about it, she then fell to the ground and in her heart told Jesus that she would not get up again until she would receive the grace to never backslide again. She wept unceasingly. So out from this encounter, she began to understand prayer even deeper. Alongside, of course, a good spiritual director, she was made to grapple more thoroughly with the things that Jesus was desiring to impart to her. She would write about prayer within the context of water. In Saint Teresa of Avila's worldview of prayer, the heart is an enclosed garden where the soul is able to welcome Jesus and is able to provide hospitality. For the Spaniard saint, the more we pray, the more we water the garden, right? So prayer waters the virtues of the heart. These are the kinds of truths that come from the writings of St. Teresa of Avila. All that being said, for St. Teresa of Avila, there are three ways in particular in which we can begin to attend to the garden of our heart in prayer. In other words, if our prayer is lacking in any one of these three modes of prayer, then our prayer will cease to be prayer. In many ways, to possess one is to attract the others, right? So, you ask me the question, what are the things that we need to be attentive to for a life of prayer that bears fruit? Here you go. First, we must engage our minds the first thing we can attend to is the words that we are saying, right? When we think about the meaning of the words of, say, the Our Father, or maybe a psalm, the words themselves will bear fruit in our heart when we critically think and really meditate upon what we are saying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come to prayerfully meditate upon what it means to say our Father. Who is God as Father? Who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. To prayerfully think critically about the words we are saying. When we are intentional in what we are saying and paying close attention to the words, it is genuine Christian prayer. Second, we have to be paying attention to who we are before God. When we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, it is very important to be asking the question, Who am I that dares to call God Father? This second intention or mode that we are to be attentive to is really about an examination of conscience for St. Teresa of Avila we are made to ask the question, is my way of life congruent with the disposition necessary to actually pray how I ought to pray? I mean, if we are in grave sin and we are not meditating upon the words, thinking critically about the words we pray, are we going to connect with God who is Father? Now, certainly, we are called to cry, Abba, Father, in times of distress. But do we do so flippantly? from a careless life? Are we sloppy in our prayer because our lives have become filled with vice? What's our disposition? Are we careless or are we intentional about our prayer? Does our prayer come out from a life of desiring God with our very lives? So when I humbly consider who I am in relationship to God, it is then That I have the right orientation, right? The right intention. You know, Jesus asks the question Who do you say that I am? And we can almost turn that around a little bit. Could he not ask us another question? Who do I say that you are? If you call me Father, then are you not my Son? This, my friends, is what this second mode is about. This is what we have to be attentive to. What does Paul say in Romans eight fifteen. For you have not received the spirit of slavery in which you fall back into fear, rather the spirit of sonship in which you cry, Abba, Father. So this second mode really is about taking ownership of who we are as sons and daughters of God. Now, To say that is to speak to the third piece, which is to give attention to who God is, right? Who do you say that I am? So here for Saint Teresa of Avila, we are made to reflect upon the importance of who it is that I am addressing. When we think about his goodness and the immensity of God's mercy, the aching love he has for humanity, a love revealed on the cross, our prayer can begin as it ought. In other words, to see Jesus crucified is to see how much God aches for humanity, is to see how much he actually loves me. On one hand, to think about the immensity of that love, yes, can be overwhelming. It is so unimaginable. And yet, on the other hand, to contemplate the cross is to internalize the awesomeness of being the object of such heroic love, albeit undeserved. That we are the object of a singular affection that lives in the heart of God. I don't know if there is a better definition of awesome. That is awesome, right? (laughs) That we are the object of a singular affection that lives in the heart of God. And so it is, my friends, once we enter into this reality, we can then begin to pray as we ought. So you ask me the question, what are the things we need to be attentive to that our prayer might bear more fruit? First and foremost, the words we pray, that we say what we mean and mean what we say. Second, who we are as a son or daughter of God. And third, who God is, who we are addressing, I mean, let us take a step back for a second and ask the question, how might we better understand this? Well, is not the human courtship and the human relationship their great analogy for our courtship and relationship with God? I mean, is your relationship going to last? If in your conversations with your beloved, you do not say what you mean, right? (laughs) You just offer your beloved lip service that relationship is not going to go very far. What else? If you are going to properly give yourself to your beloved, then shouldn't you better understand who you are, who God created you to be, your strengths, your weaknesses? It helps. And what about the thou, (laughs) the person you are loving? Does it not help to come to understand your beloved? I have been married for 13 years, and let me tell you something, my friends. I am still getting to know my beautiful wife. I am still getting to know her strengths and weaknesses. And by the grace of God, God shows me how to be present to her and vice versa for sure. So think critically about what you are saying. Just don't pay lip service. Second, understand who you are, right? You are a son or daughter of God, who is created in the image and likeness of God, who has something very unique that no one else has to offer to God, allow God to bring that out. And again, lastly, understand who it is you're addressing, that what you say might be what it needs to be. Amen? Amen. Let us close with a word of heartfelt prayer, right? All glory be